this is Amanda Rosani, and I'm here with Digital CXO. I'm excited to be here today with Pete Riley. He is the co-founder and COO of Answer Rocket. How are you doing today? Amanda, I'm great. How are you doing? Well, thank you. It's a beautiful day. It is. So can you share a little bit about Answer Rocket? What do y'all do? Sure. Yeah. You know, Answer Rocket is an augmented analytics platform provider. We work with a lot of pretty large brands, uh, Anheuser-Busch, uh, AstraZeneca, and, and other large brands that are just trying to get a better handle primarily on you know how, how their business is doing in the market, what uh, what are some of the opportunities in the market. But we also do, do work in other segments like insurance and and in finance, helping solve similar analytic problems. Okay. So recently you had a big AI announcement. Can you share with us? I can, you know, maybe before I jump, jump into that, I can sort of back up to a little bit about how Answer Rocket got started, if that's okay. And yes, because I think it'll provide a little bit of a context. So we started in 2013 with this idea of, you know, about would it be great if instead of having to, you know, write a SQL query or do some diving into a spreadsheet, if you could just sort of ask a question, you know, what, a simple question like, you know, what were sales by month, you know, last year or something like that. And we started working with some of these large brands and other companies that I talked about. And what we started to realize was that, well, you know, that problem definitely exists. It's hard to get answers to some of those questions, but some of them are easily answered on dashboards. And what was really hard was really understanding why something was happening. So looking at a number and seeing it was up or down is fine on a dashboard, but but it was really hard to understand why. And typically what you ended up seeing was that a, a human would end up then having to go, you know, download data and, or build some charts and or build a PowerPoint and, and sort of tell a story. And, and sadly, the minute they show up to the person that had the, the, the question with the answer, there's another question, right? And so the whole process sort of starts all over again. And this can really delay uh, the ability to make decisions um, as a business by days or weeks, just because of how long that, that process takes. And so what we started to see was that, oh, the next problem we need to solve is that answering the why question really quickly and auto we, we felt like we could automate that. And we did, and we created this concept of rocket bots and uh, leveraging different machine learning capabilities, things we call skills, to enable users to ask much more sophisticated questions, like why, like literally why, you know, why are sales down in this market? And it would do the work of, you know, a, an analyst or so over five days to answer that question much more quickly, which is really exciting for the business folks because then they can take that and do the things they're really good at around, you know, pricing strategies or marketing strategies to sort of overcome what's going on in the market from a com competitive standpoint. Now, what we saw was that that was successful. But that asking questions and so on uh, for a lot of folks got a lot easier. But we just didn't. We weren't getting where we wanted to in terms of the the the, the, the a large scope having a much bigger impact on these companies and making it so that just literally anybody could get in here and do these things. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, we were going down a path of going sort of our next generation of making natural language easier and making questions easier and analysis more accessible. And then, uh, and then ChatGPT dropped, and we thought, "Oh, this is this is it." And we've been actually keeping an eye on GPT three for a while because it it would have been out for almost a year and a half before ChatGPT happened. Uh, but it was this moment that happened, you know, where 
the whole world sort of woke up one morning and discovered you know what was possible with AI. And we saw that as a really powerful new tool for us to enable users. Um, we Because we've been doing natural language search for years. We've been doing natural language generation for years, telling stories about the data automatically. And ChatGPT just opened the door in those technologies to A, make it just so much easier for non, you know, people who are not necessarily data literate or super data savvy to ask a question and, and get a really useful answer back and making those answers richer, deeper, and more useful. But the other thing that sort of happened was that now all of a sudden everybody else is understanding, like the normal person on the street is understanding what these capabilities are and the power of them and how to bring them to the enterprise. So getting back to your original question, which was, oh, what is the announcement all about? So what we decided to do is we said, you know, this chat paradigm is really powerful too. So historically, um, the Answer Rocket product was using almost like this deck building experience. You would ask a question and sort of build a slide in a deck. And what was really nice about the chat GPT experience is that it was very conversational and it seemed to flow really well and suited itself well to the large language models. So essentially we took uh, the, the sort of combined those really powerful attributes of GPT with the powerful attributes that we had with Answer Rocket to create something we call Max. And so our announcement is Max is Max.ai and this, this combination is really easy to use chat interaction but where you're not asking questions about maybe things that the model digested on the internet, we're actually leveraging that capability to ask questions about what's going on in your business. What's driving your business? Why are sales going up or down? Uh, what's the forecast for sales uh, and so on. So it's a really a mean max is a way to almost provide you with this AI powered, uh, you know, data analyst. Um, that you could just ask these questions that it really understands your business and it can give you the answers that you need to drive it forward. So you're using this uh, this AI to directly analyze the data within a certain business. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so questions you might have about uh, maybe using your own data or even third-party data. So maybe you're buying you know, data from a third party like a Nielsen and you want to understand, you know, why is my market share up or down or or even your own data, you know, why, why are fill rates for supply chain you know, up uh, or down um, and really, so, but it, it is the data that you use uh, to run your business. And as I understand it, you say it's more efficient as far as um, there's not as much prompt engineering needed and they can just easily ask questions and get the answers. Yeah. And for us, uh, we, there's no, we're sort of doing the prompt engineering behind the scenes, if you will, um, to make sure that a, that we're just using their, the, like the, we're just using the right data uh, relevant to, that's relevant to their question. Uh, and that we're building insights uh, on that. Um, uh, so we're, do, we're doing all that behind the scenes and the, the question that the user can ask is just feels very natural. So much more efficient and speedier for businesses. Absolutely. Well, congratulations. So Thanks. where do you see, can you share some use case scenarios for where you see this going for businesses? Yeah, look, it, it, in very specific use cases that we uh, have a lot of experience in, we do a lot in the consumer packaged goods space. So understanding things, the examples I gave, understanding why, why is market share up or down, or what are maybe some of my opportunities, or what is the forecast for this particular you know, pack size or product in this market, and so on. All questions that we see. Uh, also in CPG, um, they'll do user surveys around understanding the perception of their brand and 
you know, why is my brand power going up or down or for this market or for this product and making that just much, much more accessible as opposed to today, you know, they might have to call a third party to go spend a week, you know, digging through that uh, data. Uh, tons of applicability in insur insurance, uh, finance, um, and, and other, other, really, un, un, essentially any industry that that they're going to have this data. They have to do some deep analysis to understand what it is that there is going on, and therefore, what should they be doing? Has br fairly broad applicability. We're seeing a lot of interest in, especially sales, marketing, uh, finance, and supply chain uh, use cases. Uh, wherever there's essentially a, a lot of data that's uh, being consumed by a lot of people to make uh, decisions to drive the company forward. Wonderful. Yes, it definitely sounds like it can cross into any business sector in one way or another. Um, the use cases of generative AI, it, it's just fascinating to me. And I know the chat GPT-4 was reading, I think yesterday, they said at the end of the fourth quarter of 23, it would have 1 billion users. So that's just incredible how quickly it has been picked up. Yeah, it's amazing and a lot of fun. I use it, I use it, I personally use it every day for all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk though a little bit about um, as magnificent as it is and all the wonderful things it can do, there are some concerns around generative AI, sure. um, such as safety and um, bias. So um, can we talk a little bit about that and how do you make sure there's not bias and also that it's safe um, for those who are using it? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, big, big issues, you know, and I've, in fact, I've listened to plenty of interviews with Sam Altman and he acknowledges that these are you know, very real issues. And in fact, one of the reasons they say that, or he will say that they released um, uh, ChatGPT Chat was so that, because he felt like it wouldn't be right to just wait until it was really, really well optimized and then sort of release that without time for people to sort of adjust and think about, you know, what are some of the, the pros and cons and considerations and so on. And so you were asking two questions. One was safety, one was bias. And look, at, you know, to me, it's like a lot of tools that we use in our everyday lives. You know, we can, you know, you can use a knife to cut up vegetables for chicken soup and you can use it to do, you know, things that are not, that are not good. Right. So, um, uh, so we have, so every tool sort of has this, um, you know, you can use it for good or you can use it for things that are not so good to build something. You could use a hammer and nails to build something that is maybe not good. So um, some of that's, you know, uh, I think, I think society is just going to have to, you know, uh, sort of, it's going to judge people obviously on, on sort of what they're doing. There's going to be some people that, that are using the technology for nefarious means. I think that the model providers, I think uh, Sam would say that the model providers have some responsibility to put guardrails around that, right? If I'm using ChatGPT to write, you know, phishing emails or, you know, do other terrible things, there's probably things that the large language model providers can use, you know, do to prevent some of those kinds of things. So there's some there. And then I think folks like us who are maybe just leveraging the API, we also have a responsibility to just make sure that the, the things that we're enabling uh, are the intended, you know, intended operation of the tool to do, to do good things, to add value. Um, so th th those are some of the things to, to think about, I think around uh, safety, you know, in terms of bias, look, you know, that, the, to the degree that the language model uh, is trained on a data set that has bias, it will have bias. So I think a lot of the, it feels like a lot, a lot 
uh, is on the providers of the LLM as well to make sure that the data that they are training the LLM on uh, it is as as free from bias as possible. I don't think that we'll we'll ever have an AI that's completely free from bias. And in fact, you may see you know LLMs being trained you know with, with different biases over time. Um, but I think again, I think there's a lot of responsibility that falls on the creators of the LLMs to make sure um, that that there's as as little bias as possible in the model. Absolutely. So AI is one important tool when it comes to digital transformation, which is a big term we're hearing these days. What advice do you have for businesses that are looking to digitally transform and are kind of behind and need to get started? Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess I guess the good news, maybe the good news is this, is if you're behind, uh, the world just changed for everyone all at the same time. And so to the degree that you are maybe considering, you know, one strategy and that strategy may have may be affected greatly by AI over the next six to 18 months, you do have an opportunity to maybe skip a generation. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, there are parts of the world where they didn't have, you know, our plain old telephone service with telephone wires and so on. They just went straight to straight to mobile and, you know, and cell phone towers. Right. So, um, you may actually have an advantage if you are a little behind because so, you don't have any sunk cost with trying to do something in, in a particular way. And you now have the advantage of really looking at it through this very new lens and and uh, uh, a revolutionary uh, sort of moment, I think. And I think Bill Gates, he said in a recent article, he said he'd seen two things that he thought were revolutionary. One was the graphical user interface and the next was this. Uh, and so it may be that if you're behind, you actually have an opportunity to maybe even get ahead if you jump on if you jump on this now and you really uh, embrace it. So, last question: What's in store for Answer Rocket in the future? What do you see five years from now? Wow, five years from now, it feels hard to say now because it feels like so much. Just, I mean, there was ChatGPT and then three point five and then four point zero, and it just feels like this stuff is moving so fast. I think the thing that we probably you know feel certain is that uh, a, that more and more of what we do uh, will be enabled by AI um, and will just make lives so much better for our customers in terms of you know, their ability to access their data, get analyst analysis on their data so they can just go act on it. So it just feels like that that's something that, you know, it's funny, we've been working on it for years in, in, under a certain model. And it just feels like this moves the the balls forward so much faster, and is probably exponentially more valuable to to businesses and users over the next three to five years. And it's hard to imagine where that ends up in the fifth year. But I think we probably move from where we started thinking about. You know, our solution is an analytic solution, right? So we think we think of we think of things as databases, or we query databases, and I think over time. Uh, Maybe we think of the LLM less as a database, and it's enabling much more like a reasoning engine. So I think, I think we start to get much greater power and capability uh, from that to to just make our customers and users' lives so much easier. Well, wonderful! Thank you so much for coming on today and giving us your insights. Yeah, thank you. I look forward to speaking with you in the future. Likewise, take care.